You are listening to the All My Friends podcast. If you'd like to watch the recording of this show, you can do so over on our website. You'll find a link to the show in the description of this episode. My name's Liam Oliver. I'm the founder and owner of the Manchester-based music blog, All My Friends, and you're tuned in to our very first podcast. Welcome. Hello. My guest today is Trees Not Cars co-founder, Julia Cavaliova. She's come on the podcast to chat about the Trees Not Cars mission. I'm really excited to have her on the show. AMF has spoken about the lack of green space in Manchester in the past, and we think that the city needs to do more to protect these spaces from developers. Development doesn't just shut down clubs and bars, but it also attacks social space, green space and creative space in the city. Uh, and we think it's something as a city that we need to combat more. So without further ado, Julia, hello, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for speaking with me. How are you today? Is everything good? Hi, uh, hi Liam. Hi everyone. Thanks for having me on your first podcast. I hope this one goes well. <laughs> And really happy to share updates, uh, vision, mission of Trees Not Cast with you guys, with you, Liam. And I'm good today, yeah. Amazing, yeah. Yeah, probably worth noting this is our second time recording the show. Um, the first one uh, sadly didn't go too well. We had some technical issues that, uh, that meant um, all of our great conversation was lost. So we're here again uh, and we'll definitely get it all recorded this time so uh, we can share it with the Manchester community. Um, but it is really cool to speak with you today. Uh, I suppose we can get the ball rolling with you telling us all about the Trees Not Cars campaign and mission, uh, how it got started, you know, what are you campaigning against and why? So um, we are campaigning uh, against the planning application that was approved on last year, 17th of October, uh, to build a 440 spaces car park on a, a demolished uh, a former central retail park in Manchester. Um, we were com- we, the campaign started since the application was uh, submitted for um, consultation and uh, we had few events there. We tried to convert that into the park. Unfortunately, application was approved and um, immediately we submitted an appeal against the decision and by now, we've been fighting against um, uh, that decision to convert that into car car park. So you can see for almost a year, mm-hmm. there are no cars parked in the central retail park is because timely actions from traditional cars helped to, to help that. Mm-hmm. Um, our short-term vision is obviously make sure that the planning application is revised, went back to consultation and uh, all the arguments that we try to uh, present here in front of the court, mm-hmm. when it goes ahead, uh, are considered and uh, the application is changed. The decision is changed uh, versus the car park, but also the long-term vision obviously is convert the 10 and a half acre space into something that Manchester people need, which we believe is uh, considerable plot for green space and also affordable housing, uh, retail, small retail units, uh, which we can talk about later. Amazing, yeah. Um, Obviously, I I live across from the the car park, um, and I know you live in the area too. And I remember when I first saw the Toys R Us building go down, 
Um, I'm not sure where I heard it, but uh, I remember hearing it was going to be turned into a park and I was so excited about that. And then when I heard that the car park was going to happen, I was really sort of uh, dismayed. So it was amazing that Trees Not Cars um, sprung up so quickly to, to, to combat that and counter that. Um, so it's really interesting as well, because obviously you, you're in the process of um, appealing the decision to turn it into a car park. And I've said you're, you've taken the council to court. Um, so that blocked them from using the space um, as of now. You know, so whereabouts are you in this legal process? Can you tell us a bit about it? You know, you've stopped that space being used as a car park um, since they, they decided that. So that's already a great victory for you. But um, what signal do you think that sends to the council and, and to Manchester more generally? Uh, yes, so it, we, have not, we haven't been to court yet, but there are certain things that happened before mm -hmm. proceedings can start. Is obviously the judge has to give a permission to appeal, and we've been uh, successful on three grounds, which are associated with um, original planning complication documents uh, package, not including the fact that it's going to be 24 7 mm -hmm. car park. It's only considered uh, seven hours mm -hmm. journeys. Uh, it didn't consider the fact that the car park was dormant for a, a year and a half, so it's a brand new mm -hmm. usage of the space rather than referring to a previous car park, which was never full anyway for years, even the Toys R Us and all the retail units mm -hmm. were open. But most importantly, obviously, uh, the, the package of documents, um, environmental reports and other reports uh, excluded the fact of immediate um, um, presence of the primary school mm -hmm. next to the space and that was uh, one of the main arguments of trees not cars mm -hmm. that there are children in the area that they, they study there every day and the car park fumes will be just be affecting the air that they breathe mm -hmm. so three grounds overall uh, makes our case quite strong we're very happy about it we have been recently announced that and we tried to share that with the community post-covid things have delayed a little bit due to the lockdown so we're very excited to restart the campaign, mm -hmm. our GoFundMe page to help us to carry on with the campaign and um, fees that we need to pay. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, the great victory is that months and there is no car park. And the message that I would say it sends to other people of mine just that things are possible, the communities need to be stronger. It, people have to be more uh, vocal and active when they deal with the council. There is a process. Some people are not aware, for example, when I joined the campaign, I didn't know there is a, how the plan application process works. Where can you object? Mm -hmm. uh, you educate more. I don't think council puts a lot of effort to let people know mm -hmm. how they can be involved and that sometimes work for the council if they have different vision and they want that to proceed. Mm -hmm. I think a good example is Central Retail Park which uh, was approved despite all the arguments and 12,000 signatures that we have collected by then. I could also refer to the campaign of Saving Islington Green, which lost the green space to a private developer. And the plans that have been published recently are just upsetting mm -hmm. for everyone who lives in the area. So we're losing a, a green space that currently exists and, and with Trees Now Class campaign, we're campaigning for something that we want council to build for residents living nearby. <laughs> that you just mentioned uh, the green space that we're going to lose is that the the grass by the new Islington tram stop that's right it's a huge area mm -hmm. a few a few pockets with just some cross crossing for footpath of a green space which largely been used 
since since the development started around uncoats in, in the area, but also during lockdown, mm-hmm. where people could just relax, exercise. There were lots of people, you know, exercising with the uh, private trainers. Yeah. And uh, people having just a nice picnic uh, during their lunchtime. Because again, the area is very uh, attractive now for living. It's very it's very famous across the world, Ankles right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got bars, restaurants, but also it had this green space in a, um, a cotton field park, which was closed because it's a private park. Mm-hmm. So it was closed during lockdown. So people found themselves just on the concrete, running mm-hmm. around and exercising. So Newsington Green was a saver, really, and it also showed the fact how our campaigns was important that we're fighting for green space here that there's so many residents now and the, the, the footpaths were packed really with runners and cyclists yeah yeah i remember yeah when in 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 march when lockdown happened and i the first time i went out running in about six years and i went to i went to run down by the canal and then you could come up and that green space by the Islington tram stop you could do some circuits there and then run back round. Uh, i think it was like a I was hanging out my ass after the first one, after the first exercise I've done in six years. But yeah, it's an amazing space to use for everything from dog walking to somewhere for like the kids to play to like sitting down and having um, like a picnic. So yeah, it's, um, and again, it's another place under threat from development. And it's just sad to see that where everything's just getting steamrolled by, by big high rises. Um, yeah, I wanted to move on and uh, talk about... Um, the time you spoke to the council because you know you said that you spoke to the council before and they've seemed indifferent to petitions uh, and then you know they went to seek advice from one of the country's top planning lawyers um, you know how did that make you feel and why do you think they're taking this approach um, you know are they just digging their heels in and refusing to see sense or admit defeat um, why, why are they you know why, why are they so unable to change what they want to do and, and you know listen to the, the constituents some more it's hard for me to say why would they be so persistent and obviously hire and spend uh, some taxpayers' money on the lawyers now and fighting a community group that's trying to fund, you know, have a, a like a, a crowdfunding here. Mm-hmm. People who just want to represent the voices of the community here. Mm-hmm. But it makes us feel stronger in the way that it's, we're capable to do it. It's, if, if there is a willingness to do that in time, time for you to spend for volunteering for things like this you feel like you can do it and hopefully we can prove that later on mm-hmm. when we are in court but it, it's frustrating that um i think it made sense back there in october 2019 that this space is, is needed by the residents and 12,000 signatures speak for themselves mm-hmm. obviously the primary school uh, and the fact that it was omitted as a as an argument through the reports it's, it's frustrating mm-hmm. and very sad um the area is very family oriented right now mm-hmm. um it's there is a school there is a nursery and more and more families move into the area how attractive it is for people who want to continue working and living in the city center but want to start a family and have kids mm-hmm. previously it wasn't possible i think in manchester Mm-hmm. Um, people were moving out to suburbs, so that was very logical for everyone. And now it's, it, it seems have changed. The people um, choosing city and urban lifestyle mm-hmm. when they start a family. Mm-hmm. And council actually 
um, try to promote it. So if you go to Uncoats and look at some of the placards there, when there is a new building again approved and it's going to be built, you could see it, it's, it's actually alluding to the fact that you can start your family here. I think we've shared some of the posts on Twitter before. Mm -hmm. um, Richard Lees had actually had made this video blog mm -hmm. um, and the primary school just at the back at that, at that video where he was saying, look at the Uncoats. Mm -hmm. It used to be a very... Um, like a dangerous area and there were no buildings and developments here before look at it now look at the primary school just at my back mm -hmm. uh, and there's a GP and there are some restaurants it's an exciting place to live and yet um, green spaces are just impossible to get mm -hmm. there and uh, within time we see that happening so mm -hmm. uh, yeah we're just um, frustrated but we are very very um, confident uh, in our in our course more and more mm -hmm. amazing uh, an interesting thing that we haven't picked up on yet um is the obviously manchester was declared as a climate emergency as well uh and then the plans for the the initial plans for the car park were made before the climate emergency was declared i'm getting that the right way around the same, so, it, it was um a, the plan application went out almost immediately after the climate application a climate after, emergency yeah. was declared mm -hmm. that's why it's so paradox yeah uh, yeah i remember you saying yeah mm -hmm. so yeah and then they, they still so they've declared this climate emergency yet yeah, they, they they can't revise these plans that they've made and they're making them after it so yeah it just doesn't make sense really does it um yeah uh, one thing i wanted to ask about this as well is you know where does the book stop when it comes to uh, instigating this change um you know who do you need to ultimately convince that this car park and then the long-term plans for the space are a bad idea um you know is there one person in the council who's just got the final say on this or is it a big sort of faceless bureaucracy where it's so difficult to make headway trying to get this change made because there's nobody you can speak to or there's multiple departments and everyone just passes you on to everyone else. Like how, how have you found trying to navigate that as trees, not cars to try and find a solution? I would probably can speak for myself, but I, I, I do have certain things and um, that I probably can prove that I can be right. Um, I've met Richard Lees myself just before the planning application meeting with uh, Gemma Cameron, the main co-founder of the campaign. Mm -hmm. which gave us quite a lot of hopes because we were told the Richard Lees never meet campaigners. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, so we, we were excited. We came there with our visions and I came as a, as a person who has a family here, has owned the apartment, have kids, going to school, asking for green space, playground that doesn't exist in the area and trying to give my reasoning of why I campaign and why this application is just doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. In the situation back then, um, Gemma came as a person who um, runs software business and uh, she was trying to explain that more office space is just unnecessary now, we have enough, we need to think about something else. Mm -hmm. um, and, and more office space wasn't, we felt wasn't logical back then, but now after COVID, when yeah. people work from home and it proved successful and all the companies now revisit all the spending now to see do they really need so much rent to pay but people can just work from home. Yeah. That's another argument, but we're talking about back then. So um, we were quite sad to leave the, the meeting to see that um, the vision didn't um, match with Richards and he felt that uh, the 
situation of um, uh, job situation, car parking situation, the fact that this used to be a car park before, it's just, uh, he didn't see the problem of what we're trying to raise. Um, so that was sad. So to me, I think because, um, I think Richard has got a lot of influence uh, for the councillors who voted through the car park and there were majority of them mm -hmm. did that. Um, but also I feel that local councillors could have been helpful more through the campaign. I can't say that, that they were not because Majid Dar, who was the local councillor for uncle and still is, he spoke against the application at the planning committee. So we appreciated it a lot. Mm -hmm. But we didn't see, there were three councillors who we invited to our events, invited to speak out. Mm -hmm. They were not doing that during the campaign. And obviously that doesn't help. You have community running around here, trying to collect signatures, trying to... Um, um, attract media attention through various routes, social media. And then you see councillors who job directly is to represent citizens and, and you don't see them actively participating in that uh, and uh, giving their opinion um, and talking um, to, to the councillor. So to me, I think there is a, a way of, um, the vision of the council is separate to what people need. And I can't say I'm right, but recent uh, developments that have been approved in the last year mm. prove that. So mm -hmm. I will see what people say for, for, for on this uh, question, maybe yeah. in the yeah. comments. That's my plan. It sounds frustrating when you just can't seem to get through to people there. And yeah, as you said before, and you know, I think I signed the petition for the car park as well. 12,000 signatures just, just ignored. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense. <laughs> um, but uh, quite interesting what you said there as well about um, um, COVID and you know this long, the long-term plan is office space and I, I work from home now I've been working from home since January um, you're working from home as well the, you know, the argument for office space is less and less and we, uh, we've already mentioned in this podcast you know people are going outside more to exercise more people the government's advising people to take other forms of transport to work like cycling so um, obviously the pandemic's been really horrible for a lot of people but there's a silver lining there surely where this, this shows you that what we need now in city centres is more space like this. Um, yeah, you here, Cleo? Yes, I am, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah I think um, it's a new reality now. It's mm -hmm. a new reality and it, it's, it's very frustrating that applications that are two years old since they've been started are being approved and Manchester's plans it seems you know like the vision of a city center with tower blocks and mm -hmm. we, we can see it clearly that, that that's the intention of yeah. how the city center need to look like mm -hmm. um, it's it's tower blocks it needs to be business center it needs to be uh, uh, residential high res high rises and uh, expensive apartments mm -hmm. um, and uh, yet it, it's just has no green space whatsoever. Mm -hmm. um, small pocket parks. I probably could think only about one next to, in Castlefield that people can still go to. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because there was spinning fields all been taken and building as a, a business center now. And I know I remember there were fields of green space when my little one was small, my my eldest. I moved into Uncle's Green, Newslington Green is going to be given up. And uh, it's sad. It's uh, uh, very sad to see it. Um, 
I don't really know who's going to occupy those office buildings. I'm, I'm curious to see, you know, on the one hand, I, 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 obviously we're fighting against it and there is a big campaign going on for Save New Zealand and Green, mm -hmm. which we support also and share information about them. But it's just interesting. Mm -hmm. do, the, do the developers themselves think it's going to be a successful project? Yeah, yeah. I, I could, I'm not a developer, so I can't answer that, but I, they must be questioning it, mustn't they? Um, <laughs> Uh, another development project I wanted to chat to you a little bit about as well was the redevelopment of Greater Ancoach Street. Um, so obviously they're expanding the lanes on the street. They're adding cycle paths and plants and trees, um, which I remember initially I uh, thought, well, that's a great thing. You know, obviously, where they're redeveloping it, they're adding like cycle lanes and there's going to be trees. It's making it a bit greener. You know, for me, I thought, well, it makes sense for that to culminate in, in, in a big park. Um, so it's strange that one, they're not doing that, but also... You know, what's your opinion on, on that redevelopment? Because I think, as you, as you mentioned to me last time we spoke, you know, expanding that, that road is actually really bad. So more traffic can get to a car park and it's, it's overall going to, you know, putting a few trees in the middle of it isn't really going to solve this climate issue. So, you know, what's your take on the, on the redevelopment of uh, Greater Ancoach Street? Uh, yeah, I think it's, again, it's an end of planning application that went back a year before. I think it was approved May last year to start in January 2020, which it did as a clock. Mm -hmm. um, because I live here, I can, I've seen it. Mm -hmm. uh, but it was a 9 million project and was approved to council quite excited to announce that. Mm -hmm. Obviously, they were pushing for the fact that there will be trees and it will look like European style boulevard. Mm -hmm. um, but I think after the climate emergency again was approved like a month and a half after. And with the climate emergency, you, you kind of need to change, change your um, perspective about things. So emergency means that you need to stop doing something, something or even um, and convert into alternative. For, so if you expand in a big road, which was busy anyway, just making it look nicer and adding some uh, cross, crossings for the pedestrians because it's, it's, it's a big road and yeah, it's very hard to cross. It's only a few pockets where you can do it. Mm -hmm. um, you want to actually reduce the amount of cars that are flowing into the city center or going past. And mm -hmm. um, it seems like the Uncourt wasn't considered as a city center as such. Mm -hmm. It hadn't been city center before, but if you look at it now, it certainly is. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. Okay in the city center where they build apartments and they sell them as a city center apartments, mm -hmm. not uh, outskirts. So they, and they're building a huge road through the city center. So they, they're still showing that car is a normal, uh, um, acceptable uh, commute mm -hmm. for you. Uh, and also we tried to build a car park and there's this traditional cars campaign that didn't let us do it. Yeah. So it will be a nice car park for you to park your car before you go to work. Mm -hmm. So instead of uh, changing radically the, the approach to commute to the city center to reduce amount of pollution, which was illegally exceeded legal uh, standards, they're building this um, big scheme. And then another argument about the trees. It's 70 trees. And actually recent communication showed that that could have been not possible and then it kind of turned around in the, in the press in the last week that mm. they found some issues with utilities um, behind the, put, put the road and they were thinking it would be not possible to build all the 70 trees in, but now it seems like they, they can find a way. Mm -hmm. But they, these trees will mature quite late. 
it, mm -hmm. it's going to take years for them to mature and actually make some balance with the pollution that they, they will be caused through the usage of the park. Mm -hmm. So we people in this current present probably won't see that happening or not see most of it. Um, and that's uh, again, school, children, families live in this area. It's a residential area. It's been developed to bring more and more residents and there is a huge five lanes, mm -hmm. busy road that's gonna just accept all the float of cars and the, the cars will be there. You add another lane, it will be full. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Let's move on and talk a little bit now about the maybe the more the long-term plans for the space after the car park because the council have um, their plans are to turn this into office space with uh, you know green roofs to offset the the carbon footprint of it. Uh, and I know you've got some interesting points on that as well, which uh, I'd really like to go into. Um, but also, obviously, trees not cars have got a, a, a widely different idea for that space, which involves social housing, um, a large piece of green space and some um, retail units by the canal as well. Um, so can you tell us about um, the council's vision, first of all, and what's, what's maybe not perfect about it? And then can you talk about the, um, the plans that Trees Not Cars have put forward and why you think they're, they're really good? <laughs> yes, thanks, uh, thanks, Liam. Yeah, so it, it's quite a lot of changes came through, right? After lockdown kind of eased, was eased, so update from Trees Not Cars and appeal exciting uh, but long-term plans were also published so we kind of need to regroup and also tackle that mm -hmm. whilst the plan application for car park is taking we are taking to court um, so we need to not forget and I think we need, it's important to highlight and remind everyone this is the pub uh, council owned land mm -hmm. they bought it for 37 millions of two uh, three years ago and mm -hmm. um, so they own it so it's it's, it's a public land Mm -hmm. That's why it's so important also to show that the community group is trying to say that there is a, there, there are a lot of people who don't want it to be where the council wants it to be. Mm -hmm. So the planning application for car park is one thing, but the long-term plans, again, don't really have green space. Mm -hmm. They have office space. Again, I think there is a little amount of uh, some residential buildings there. Mm -hmm. but most of it is going to be office space. Mm -hmm. And what's misleading on those plans and the pictures that have been released, which it could, I think they tried to influence people to vote for it during the consultation process mm -hmm. um, or um, put positive comments for it is uh, the fact that there will be some green space, which all of it is existing. Yeah. So they, they show, they put a lot of emphasis on Cotton Field Park, which is there already and been there for years since the marina developed. Mm -hmm. This, the green space by the school will not be available for public and mm -hmm. our update went out straight away. We highlighted all those points and I hope we can post that maybe in, in, in below the video when we post it, just yeah. to remind people who don't check that page. Mm -hmm. um, so school ground will not be available to public and uh, it's, it, it has not available now and I don't think it will because it's a school. Mm -hmm. uh, Cottonfield Park is already existing, which is left the actual space of the uh, ten and a half acre previous uh, park, uh, retail park, just the buildings. And I think the main emphasis of the um, uh, council is the zero carbon uh, mm -hmm. uh, development that this is going to be. So it's so exciting, but I think people need to understand that. When it's talking about zero carbon, which I tried to get some information from architects I know, it means mm -hmm. that they need to use uh, uh, environmental friendly ways to build. Mm -hmm. 
but also if there is no possibility to make it somewhere they need to build some trees and offset the carbon footprint but it doesn't necessarily need to be next to the development that is being built it could be somewhere outside of manchester mm-hmm. and that would still make a, a, a zero carbon balance mm-hmm. against construction so we will not see the trees there we yeah. will not see the trees nearby built by the, the developer mm-hmm. somebody else will see them and outskirts of manchester we will see great uncle street busy five lanes with 70 small trees that will mature in the within tens uh, uh, decades mm-hmm. and we will see office space and we'll see cotton field park which is still there very small and doesn't have enough place for everyone living in the area which was proved mm-hmm. um, every time there is a nice a nice day i mean um yeah one thing about them plans that the council put forward because uh, i had a look at them as well and i think you point it out in your counter proposal is that the plans the way that the drawing is done is done in such a way to make the space look bigger than it actually is so it makes cottonfield park look bigger than it is which is quite a quite an underhand tactic just to be polite about it and yeah you make you also point out the fact that a lot of the green space in that plan is the school which you can't access so it is quite um it's quite damning really for the council to do that because again it just shows a willful ignorance to what the, the residents want uh, one thing i wanted to chat to you about as well uh, which i thought was a really cool initiative was getting the university of manchester architecture students involved as well um because they're helping you put to put forward this alternative vision for the space um could you just tell us a little bit about how that partnership started because i think it's uh, i think it's just a really cool initiative uh yeah um, i really appreciate architects um, the students have put in uh, their own time to develop the the vision for us that we have fed back to them mm-hmm. from our meetings uh, with with residents um uh, here in Ancoats. uh we do have quite a lot of people on our team mm-hmm. who have different um occupations and it's they have different connections and it's exciting i think it's it's one of the a reason why we're so successful is because we have people from various professions mm-hmm. spending their time and their expertise um, to help us um, fight this um, to fight for this space. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've been put together, put into connection with the architect students, um, and they have their own project in the university. They need to find an and a group of uh, a community group of campaigners and deal with them and develop the vi- help develop the vision. Mm-hmm. So we would try to help them with that mm-hmm. in, in our own time. But uh, in exchange, we asked if, the, if it possible for them to give us some draft of the vision because we're not we don't have any architects in our group. Yeah. Uh, we don't have money to pay for professional architectural vision. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were so helpful. Um, that's why it's so excited. Uh, it's only a draft. Obviously, people. Um, don't have a lot of time and then the lockdown came in so they all they only managed to release that which we posted recently mm-hmm. uh, but I think it's still a great start for people to see um, um, what we suggest and at the same time as the planning application and consultation process going on for the long-term council plans which is the last day is 25th of September we're asking people to give feedback on the draft so we can release um, feedback from residents mm-hmm. which is a, a different vision to what the council wants to build and show the amount of uh, feedback and uh, suggestions that people have yes so i think mm-hmm. uh depends because we always you don't really know what council will release um yeah. 
and you want to say we collected the data, our own data, here it is, very honest, transparent, you mm -hmm. can check it and I'm very curious and I'm looking forward to, to see what it's going to be, but I encourage people to find two, three minutes to vote, to put their comments against our vision and the council vision as well. Mm -hmm. right. I'm asking to object that a council visions, of course, from my point of view. Um, yeah, we'll put obviously all links to these um, resources and we'll go into the show notes with the blog, uh, with the podcast, sorry, and also any links on social media we'll put in there as well. Um, I wanted to talk to you a bit about the park that's been proposed in Mayfield Basin. Um, surely this is a good thing, right? They're building a park by Piccadilly. Um, that's a bit of a leading question for you because I know you've got an opinion on that project. Can you tell us a bit about the planned park near Piccadilly and why it might not be as perfect as it seems? Um, I, I don't, yeah, I think it's exciting. And before I joined, um, I think it's been, it's been there as a, as a rumor for a while before it's actually been approved and became quite a widespread news. I was excited as a person who lives in the city center and have kids, a small green space, finally available and some, uh, they valued it for a playground there, which I think are in the plants now. Mm -hmm. So I was quite happy. Um, but then I joined the campaign and um, I felt that it's not enough now. So the, yeah. the space that that will be available for public is six and a half acre and the T's and C's is ten and a half. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's a develop. It's a it's the council doesn't own that space. It's it's a developers that will own it. Mm -hmm. um, so we say. You can, council can do whatever they want. They can listen to residents and build what the residents see mm -hmm. on the much larger space here, which is much closer to the area which um, it needs. So more closer to families who live here. The, the Mayfield Park is a bit further away. It's very hard to approach it. You need to go through Great Uncle Street and then through an industrial area as well. So I, it would be very difficult for me to achieve, for example, to come there with my kids on a daily basis. I don't think I'll be there all the time. Yeah. But also, the proposal is for a hotel, uh, retail units, office space, and I think 1,500 homes. Mm -hmm. So you already kind of imagine how busy it's going to be. Mm -hmm. uh, while the brands are very excited, I don't, I don't think it's enough for what city centre now needs. I think when they build everything around it, it will be occupied by people who already are there. So all those residents for 1500 homes and the people, the office workers in the office space and the hotel. So you would think that um, additional public might not be able to get there because logically it will be already have enough current residents of that space. So that was my argument. And the other thing is when the plants were released, Richard Lees have highlighted the big uh, point about post-COVID, we need to consider the green space more. And this was approved before start of 2020, when yeah. nobody knew about COVID. Yeah. So I think also, again, it's another, um, it, it's just, you, you find it sad, that's not true. Mm -hmm. It was considered before. We are now saying, stop your plans, stop your long-term plans, because of the COVID, what COVID had showed you, the, the lockdown itself. Mm -hmm. Uh, look at the new reality as we discussed before mm -hmm. uh, and that seems to be ignored and uh, plants are going ahead and, and nobody talks about uh, the green space and mm -hmm. there were a lot of arguments from the actual um, people from the government saying we need to increase funding for the green space and they're going to be using I think about 23 million funds of mm -hmm. that government release additional money to support green spaces 
-hmm. in, in UK to develop that area, which I think it's not right. Why not to divert that to the publicly owned land that mm -hmm. is not occupied and plants not approved yet? That, mm -hmm. That's what um, makes me feel frustrated. Yeah. Yeah, I can, I can, I can, I can, I can hear the frustration. It must be really, really, just yeah, difficult to try and reconcile why they won't just do the, the obvious thing. Um, one thing I did want to chat about very quickly as well um, is the BBC documentary that the first episode came out on Tuesday last week. Uh, Manctopia, the the billion pound property boom, which seems quite timely one for the podcast we're doing. Um, but it's also quite interesting to see uh, a national lens being shined on Manchester now. Um, you know, it's it's something that's obviously reached outside of Manchester, and people are looking at this this property and development boom happening in Manchester. And you know, there's national voices looking into this, and you know, sort of saying. Is this right? What's going on? Um, so, first of all, like, what did you think of the programme? And do you think it's good that there's been a, a renewed focus from the wider, the wider British community about what's going on here? And do you think it helps your campaign? Yeah, I think it's, it, I found it very curious. I looked, it made a big impression on me when I watched that documentary because I live in Manchester since 2006. Mm -hmm. so 14 years this November. I have a family here. I'm raising two kids and I'm expecting my third very soon. Mm -hmm. um, in all my time, I lived in the city center. So I have seen how it developed when I came back 14 years ago and where we're looking now. Even five years ago, it was different. But I think in the last five years, it's, it's definitely a boom. Yeah. Of um, area. So there is, you almost imagine if you see a small pocket, of a space, either it's a small car park or maybe just an undeveloped area or um, an abandoned building, you would think there is a planning application for an apartment block there, yeah. I'm sure. <laughs> and you would be right. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, it, it, this, this video is very nice and controversial. It shows all those, it's kind of three situations, right? Described just in the first series. So I'm curious to see what's going to happen in the next. Mm -hmm. But just in the first episode, they show that they are... Um, the perspective of uh, homeless people who are trying to fight and, um, you know, what happened to them and they try to find a uh, way to live. And it shows the lack of um, availability for, um, for people mm -hmm. who, who need affordable and social housing. Mm -hmm. And then they, they show the perspective of a family with their middle, uh, like um, a, a small amount of income, and how hard is now afford the rent for a family with two kids, uh, um, if you want to live in the house and close in the area you want. Mm -hmm. And then there's a big boom of a nice apartment, a very expensive apartment, excessively expensive to rent. Mm -hmm. um, and the perspective of, of that um, view, um, I, I, I agree with some, uh, you know, some areas in Manchester, like uncles, how it used to be. It, 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 yeah, it was dangerous. And it's nice to get this changed. I live in uncles and I want uh, people to know it's a really great area. I'm, I was happy that more and more buildings were built. But at some point I feel, are they going to stop? It's too much. Can they stop now? Yeah, it, yeah. it definitely was undeveloped, untouched. Um, it needed something and it was exciting that it was considered. Mm -hmm. But I think it's now getting to the point where they should consider the fact that these people who decided to invest in the area and pay a lot of money for their apartment because they're quite expensive. Mm -hmm. um, they need something else, not just the, the uh, urban uh, forest of blocks. Mm -hmm. uh, and they're trying to pr 
show this uh, Manchester as a European style city now, but if you look back to, this, to the cities uh, like Madrid, Barcelona, uh, you would see that there are a lot of emphasis on the green space and uh, uh, reducing the, the carbon emission in the city center. Uh, pocket parks in London, look at them. It, it, we don't look like this. We just keep, we keep building residential blocks and people are going to just look through each other's windows very soon. Yeah. And that's what you are going to see. Is this right? Yeah, I think that's the question that I was left with. But I also think um, affordable housing problem is is a big problem in Manchester. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, interesting. It's an interesting point to leave it on. I mean, I've lived in Manchester for ten years. I came here as a student, so the first three years I didn't really leave Fallowfield. So I haven't really experienced the city up until maybe seven years ago. But I used to live um, about by the co-op buildings. Uh, and then my girlfriend moving to Ancoats, and when I went round to hers, we saw the building I'm studying now go up in a year, and they just kept going and going and going. So it's crazy you talk about this boom in the past five years. The building I'm literally studying now, it wasn't here four years ago, I don't think, maybe five years ago, but we saw it. We, saw, we were in a balcony across the road, and we saw it go up, and then, yeah, just, uh, yeah, the, there's just uh, this tide of change is almost like unrelenting. Um, but let's wrap it up. Um, it was really amazing to have you on the show uh, today, Julia. I wanted to ask you two more questions to sort of, uh, to sort of wrap it up with today. Um, firstly, how can people get involved with Trees Not Cars? Um, if people would like to donate to the cause or get involved in any way, what's the best way that they can do that? We very much accept uh, donations and ask people to do it. It's as minimum as five pounds that the GoFundMe page is set for. So. Uh, if you can check our website, treesnowcast.com for all the updates and the GoFundMe page there. I think Liam wanted to also add the link to the podcast. Mm-hmm. It will definitely help our cost. We are told that the court hearings um, will be done somewhere in December, maybe early January. So we're very close to the culmination of all of that. Um, so people can also get involved volunteering because I think we need to start up the campaign, maybe organize events when we're allowed to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, so any new people who, who have great skills, who have time and devotion, they could join us. We're always welcome, We're very active on Facebook, on Twitter, mm-hmm. through our, our page. We, there is um, a lot of people who monitor it and we immediately answer to anyone who wants to mm-hmm. join. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. And yes, we will put all the links into the, the blog and the podcast and on our social medias and stuff as well. Uh, and secondly, and finally, uh, this is, a, I suppose this is a bigger question. Um, you know, what are the long-term goals for Trees Not Cars after the central retail park issue? Uh, I know you're probably focused all on that right now, but can you see yourself expanding beyond that when, when this, when this situation has been resolved one way or another, I think? Do you see other areas or other case studies in, in the UK or in Manchester where you, re- you think we can help once we have the ability? Um, it's hard to say. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's a group decision. Mm-hmm. Uh, what we will do, we're very much focused. I think there's enough job for two years now. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, obviously closing, very close to the, the actual car park application appeal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know how long that will take. But then the long-term plans, obviously, it's another fight which we entered into and we're very excited. Uh, we're definitely going to develop the alternative vision the architects um, have done for us. Mm-hmm. But we also communicate with various environmental groups, um, uh, like, say, Newsington Green, say, Freybank Fields that Manchester Universities want to build on. Mm-hmm. Um, 
We've dealt with Princess Road Roundabout, the cycling and uh, communities in Manchester City Centre Northern Quarter Forum, who are one of the co-founders as well. Um, so I think there is a lot of things to do, and I'm, I'm so glad uh, to have all those people um, on board, active and great to be connected. I think it makes us all stronger mm-hmm. because, again, as Manktopia showed, things are just ongoing and the vision is uh, getting slightly to the direction of maybe not what Manchester people want. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think it's important to always remind the council mm-hmm. of what's needed and show the different alternative, make sure that you look from various angles. Mm-hmm. I'd be happy to carry on um, in, in this area, but in which form, we'll see. Yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much for chatting to me today. It was a really, really insightful, enjoyable show. Um, which we have a document of this time, which is great. So, um, yeah, thanks again for coming on the show. I, I really appreciate it. It's really, really uh, amazing and interesting to hear about the mission. Thank you, Liam, so much. It was nice to meet you and good luck with your show for going forward as well. Cheers. Thank you very much. Bye bye. Thank you for tuning into the show. Don't forget to subscribe. See you again.